and welcome to Inverticast. I am Leah from Tarantulia, and today, unfortunately, Nat is not feeling very well, so he is not going to be joining us uh, in the Inverticast today, although there is a possibility that he might join later. Um, never know with him. <laughs> in any case, today we will be discussing pollinators and exactly what they are, what they do, uh, why they're important to us and all things pollinators. So let's get into it. Pollinators are creatures that include bird, birds, bats, uh, insects, butterflies, and um, pretty much any small like mammal. Based, they're responsible for uh, one in every bite of food that you take, and that is worldwide. So, uh, you know, these invertebrates are incredibly crucial to just the global economy or not economy, the ecosystem and uh, basically our food supply. So pollinators are, are pretty important, obviously. So they, what makes a pollinator a pollinator is that it travels from plant to plant carrying pollinators on their bodies. And this allows for the transfer of genetic materials um, to that are critical for reproduction of most flowering plants so yeah so these plants also bring countless fruits vegetables and nuts if the world's uh, half of the world's oils are also produced through these pollinators and pollinating plants um that's pretty amazing <laughs> they also help with preventing preventing uh soil erosion uh and uh, they also help to produce uh, like the effects of like decrease the effects of carbon in the atmosphere. So again, very important to to the ecosystem in the world. So pollinators, let's get into it as we already are. So they provide services of pollination. These creatures to uh, they provide these services pollination services to 180,000 different plant species across the entire world. And 1,200 of those are crops. So, you know, vegetables, fruits, nuts, things that we eat that grow out of the ground. And uh, right now, populations are declining. Of, the, of these pollinators, their populations are declining um, because they're losing their feeding and nesting habitats. Uh, pollution, um, misuse of chemicals, and just all sorts of horrible things, changes in climate patterns, and so on and so forth. So I actually found all of this wonderful information on pollinators uh, on a website called I believe pollinators.org. And on that website, there are a lot of really great little tips and uh, things that you can do to actually help pollinators in your region uh, right there in your own backyard. So if, you know, if you plant tomatoes or say, you know, cucumbers or something like that, that is actually really beneficial to those pollinators because it helps bring them to your yard. So you're going to get really great views of these cool little creatures. But you're also going to be helping the environment and the ecosystem and, of course, these pollinators because um, they do rely on these uh, plants and, and crops pretty heavily. So, yes, 
uh, Carrie, uh, global warming is affecting pollinators as well as pretty much any other species on Earth. But these guys are probably the most critical uh, creatures that are being affected by climate change, which is pretty awful. <laughs> so we are going to talk about pollinators, obviously, but we're going to specify on the invertebrate pollinators. So that would include honeybees, uh, bumblebees, butterflies and moths, wasps, flies and beetles, and I believe also ants. Some species of ants are also uh, pollinators in the world. So let's get into it. Honeybees worldwide, there are 20,000 species of bees and 3,600 of those are native to the States and Canada. So quite a few bees out there. And we all know that bees, you know, produce honey and um, they do pollinate clearly. Like we see them all the time, you know, at flowers and stuff like that. Um, so they are really pretty important to the pollination. So they, they are actually the most important uh, population of pollinators in the world. And right now, again, like their populations have been declining uh, over the past several years. So they're important pollinators of wild flowering plants and crops. Um, they're able to fly at, uh, or bumblebees are able to fly at lower temps and lower light um, saturation. So what that means is uh, they can fly for a longer duration throughout the day rather than uh, relying heavily on uh, on the light, you know, from sunshine. <laughs> so they can fly like later in the evening, so about dusk and stuff. So bumblebees are also um, able to thrive at higher altitudes. Um, and they do something that is known as buzz pollination. And that involves essentially that they grasp a flower or a plant with their jaws and they vibrate their wing muscles. And this helps dislodge all that pollen. And then it actually helps them to grab all that pollen from off of the plants and whatnot. Um, and then the plants benefit from it. So um, some of the plants that do benefit from bumblebee pollination are you know, wildflowers, tomatoes, peppers, and cranberries. These are just a few examples of some of the plants and crops that benefit from uh, bumblebee bumblebee buzz pollination um and if you know bumblebees they are those cute little fat fluffy guys that fly kind of slowly they almost seem kind of clumsy um but they are really really important to the world of pollination all right next up we've got uh butterflies and moths so 19 percent of butterflies and moths in the u.s are at risk of ex at risk of extinction um, so that means their population numbers have dropped significantly to a point where they have almost disappeared off of the face of the earth. This, again, is really bad news for, you know, farmers and anybody who has crops or maybe you have a garden in your yard. Um, those butterflies and moths are vital for the pollination, obviously. So this also includes the monarch butterfly, which is probably one of the most famous butterflies in the world. Uh, everybody you know, knows the monarch butterfly, that beautiful yellow and orange coloration with those black stripes. Another pollinator are wasps. So yes, Carrie, uh, I'm answering your next question here. Do wasps pollinate or are 
they just pesky jerks. <laughs> well, they do pollinate and sometimes they are kind of pesky jerks. So wasps are adept hunters um, with a bad rep. So they keep the insect, other insect populations in check and they keep it in balance. Um, and that's really great. And they also provide incidental pollination through their hunting. So what that means is as they are flying from plant to plant, uh, they are also like getting pollen and flower matter and whatnot on their own bodies, as well as the bodies of the insects that they're hunting. And so through that, as they fly, they're going to be dropping those that those bits of pollen and whatnot through through the area that they're flying through. And so that's what we call incidental pollination. The next pollinator on my list here is flies. So apparently they have a purpose. Sometimes uh, I think a lot of us get really, really annoyed at flies. Uh, we see them as pests. We see them as, as pesky little critters that are just not so much fun to have around, especially not in your house or anything like that. Um, but flies, do play uh, an, a, an important role in pollination. So there are 85,000 species of flies worldwide. They are reviled as crop killers and carriers of disease, which unfortunately is not entirely true. As you could see, like having flies on this list of pollinators, then clearly they actually serve a very important purpose. So maybe it'll make you think twice about those flies that, you know, swarm your kitchen a little bit. <laughs> if only we could catch them and release them outside, right? Um, anyway, they actually serve as a really great food source for migratory birds and other pollinators. And they also help to pollinate certain plants like um, apples, peppers, mangoes, and cashews. So a lot of nuts are on this list. I wonder if anyone uh, can, can tell me why you think nuts you know, like peanuts, cashews, uh, those kinds of nuts are on this list. It's, it's pretty fascinating. And the last pollinator on my list are beetles. So these guys, beetles, are the most diverse group of organisms in the entire world. So clearly they play a huge role in pollinating and being pollinators. So one in every four species of plant, animal, bacterium, or fungus in the world is actually a beetle. So that that's pretty astonishing if you ask me. Um, and they are, we believe that they were the first insect pollinators uh, of the Jurassic era, era, like the late Jurassic era, which was 150 million years ago. So beetles have been around the world for a very, very long time. Um, they also help to pollinate magnolias and water lilies. Now magnolias, to me, are very important because I use dried magnolia leaves uh, in my enclosures with my tarantulas. So keeping magnolias around is... <laughs> just just uh the, the best make your mind up on which day what hi did we post it funny did i mistake something i must have mistaked something here let me go ahead and show that one from santa assignment at the mantis garden uh he must be confused as to what day we were going live um 
I uh, actually really prefer to go live every week. Obviously, we try to keep that really consistent uh, just because it's it's better for our audience and, and our people who follow us. So what are your thoughts on pollinators? Oh, you were expecting Sunday. Oh, okay. Well, shucks. I apologize for that, Simon. <laughs> it is today. So without pollinators, we wouldn't have all the wonderful things that we have in food, like cranberries and tomatoes, peppers. Um, I use a lot of tomatoes and peppers in my cooking. Um, uh, my One of my neighbors actually grows tomatoes. So uh, recently, I've been seeing a lot of dragonflies around. And um, I also just recently saw a bumblebee in my yard just kind of floating around and i was really really surprised because i know that right now bumblebees are um, definitely on that threatened species list of of pollinators that you know their populations are dwindling but i believe there's been a really really wonderful program here in colorado where i live that was headed by the butterfly pavilion um, and they had a whole program just dedicated to pollinators and so because of that, they've been really helping to produce a lot of bumblebees and honeybees and um, just these pollinating creatures like butterflies and moths. Um, I don't believe that they actually release butterflies and moths into the wilds of Colorado, uh, but they are certainly there. And they also just recently uh, were able to hatch the very first captive bred and born uh, lightning bugs here in Colorado at the Butterfly Pavilion. So um, pretty amazing stuff with these invertebrates. I think that they are really quite fascinating, um, especially since they play such a vital role. And what that means for us, it means a lot. It it They contribute to the global economy uh, in ways that we could never understand. Because of the crops and the flowers that they help to pollinate and produce, um, that it's just a huge, major part of the ecosystem and the global economy. Um, all right, we've got a question from Carrie. Let's see here. She asks, the beehive at the Butterfly Pavilion has been active since 1935. Uh, it was saved from the original botanic gardens. That's fascinating. Thank you so much for that bit of information, Carrie. I actually didn't know that. That's really, really amazing. I wholeheartedly support the Butterfly Pavilion here in Colorado. Um, just, just for that reason, I know that they have that big, beautiful honey hive. And who doesn't like honey? <laughs> I love honey. I like to put honey on pretty much anything like bread-wise or um, I even will put honey on pizza. Uh, we do have, you know, pizza, a pizza place here. Uh, that is also native to Colorado that uh, puts honey in their crust. So honey, again, is, a, you know, a product of those pollinators, of those honeybees. And so because of that, it's just really, really great to support honey and, and the honeybees and hopefully those beekeepers and beehives in the world. Mantids love honey. Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, as do most arthropods. Yes, honey is really, really rich, actually, in um, antioxidants, and it is also known to be like a natural uh, antibacterial. Uh, 
So that's also another really, really great benefit of honey um, from those beautiful honeybees in the world. And Carrie is saying it's amazing to think the generation of bees making honey. Oh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of generations of bees probably go into making like two or three years worth of honey production. Um, so it is pretty fascinating to think about how many bees it really takes to create uh, a honey, like a honeycomb and whatnot. Um, bees are, are super, 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 super vital to the world. Um, I thought that I had, you know, gathered up a whole bunch of information, but unfortunately I think I'm running out. <laughs> I am so sorry, my friend. Um, it's kind of difficult without a co-host, you know, to kind of go back and forth with about, you know, talking about pollinators and whatnot. Um, but thankfully I have my amazing audience. You guys are wonderful. Uh, Simon from the Mantis Garden says, I have a friend that wrote a book, uh, about bees. Can't remember her surname or the book's name. Oh, well, that's okay. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> I'm sure we could find them. And Yes. But in any case, bees obviously are probably the most popular pop pollinators that most people know about. Um, they are super prevalent all throughout the world. Obviously, as I said before, what did I what did I say before about um yeah, twenty thousand species of bees worldwide. So that's pretty incredible. Um and they, you know, they're they're seen as kind of pesky yeah they they do have stingers and whatnot but actually most pollinating bees don't have stingers so like bumblebees do not have stingers and uh i believe honeybees are also a whole bunch of species there's a whole bunch of species of honeybees that don't have stingers at all so um carrie says it's important to support support local bee Beekeepers selling bees, wax, candles, and honey because their work helps support life around you. Absolutely. Um, bees and the work of beekeepers and whatnot really do help to support all the beauty that is around you. Even if you live in Lincoln, Nebraska, there is still so much beauty around that area, like the wheat and the grasses that the grass species and whatnot that live in those regions that are native to those regions. Uh, really, really rely on these pollinators to continue to thrive. So absolutely. And also, Carrie says, did you know that butter, the Butterfly Pavilion rents out pollinator beehives? I did not know that. That's really cool. Obviously, it's only local here to Colorado. Um, but that is a really, really awesome fact about bees that you can rent out uh, a pollinating beehive. So I'll have to look into doing that in the future. Obviously, I'll make a video about it. Um, and so hopefully I'll let you guys know. I'll have to update you guys on on my adventures with that. Um, otherwise, that is it. Had I known they would rent, I had gotten you a beehive. <laughs> Obviously, Carrie is my partner. So uh, she. I just recently had a birthday. Um, and so that's that's a really great birthday idea for me. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that. That's really sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so everybody knows about bees, like bumblebees and beehives. Um, they know about the honeycomb. And 
all of that thing. But did you know that honey is truly, truly amazing because it will help if you ever get like strep throat or a real itchy, sore, sore throat. Um, you can actually use a tablespoon of honey, a little bit of cayenne pepper and some minced up garlic. All three of those things, you mix them together and you eat that spoonful. It might not taste the best, but that's what the honey's for. The honey will actually coat your throat and kind of smooth it out. The cayenne pepper is that spicy pepper, so it will bring heat and um, red blood cells and white blood cells to the area. And garlic is a natural uh, antibacterial and uh, anti, what's the word I'm looking for? Antiseptic type, anti-infection, you know. Um, it's, yeah, <laughs> an anti-inflammatory. So um, yeah, just that one little teaspoon of natural ingredients will definitely help that sore strep throat. Um, but among other things, beetles are also super important. Another pollinator that's super important, beetles. Um, we know that there are dung beetles in the world that actually eat dung or caca, poo-poo, <laughs> which is wonderful. I am forgetting about other pollinators. Will you tell me about what some of those other pollinators might be, Simon? I would appreciate that. Uh, I know that there are some ant species that are also pollinators. Um, and I believe dragonflies are also considered pollinators, but I'm sure that there are quite a few other inverts that I'm forgetting are pollinators. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Shady things. Hello, Shady. Welcome to the podcast. We're talking about pollinators. Um, I bought a bunch of carpenter bees to hatch in our garden a few years ago. No way. Oh, I love that. That's really amazing. So there you are. Shady is also doing wonderful things to help pollinators in her local region, which is, uh, you know, we all want to save the world, of course. We all want to, to help the environment and help climate change and all those things. But because most of us are just kind of normal people and live in our everyday lives, we only have so much reach. But our reach is still very, very important because at that local level, you can really, really affect real change. Um, and you can bring pollinators back into the world just by doing simple, small little things around your yard, around your house. Um, so like I know here in Colorado, planting marigolds and lavender, um, you know, and flowers like that will actually really help pollinators like bumblebees and honeybees around the areas. And then uh, also another wonderful thing uh, that you can do is, you know, in those early spring months when most people are, are, you know, starting to clean up their yards and getting everything all nice and beautiful. Actually, if you wait until about the end of May, early June to do any of that, you are going to be helping pollinators like bumblebees that actually nest on the ground. So they use you know, the leaf litter and foliage that's on the ground um, as their nests. Because again, that <laughs> a lot of people think that they live up in trees, but that's just not true. They actually live right on the ground, right next to you. Um, so trying to avoid cleaning up all of that leaf litter and foliage, maybe some broken branches that came down during the winter, um, actually really, really helps those bumblebees and honeybees. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm really interested about the carpenter uh, bees, shady things. This is fascinating. I'm sure that 
um, uh, again, like the, the 20,000 species of bees that are around the world. I mean, they're, they're all just absolutely vital. Um, so yeah, by the time I came in late, I thought it, this was Sunday. Yes. I, yeah, uh, there must've been some misunderstanding and I apologize for that guys. Um, but I believe that from now on, we should be doing Saturday. Uh, if not, we will be sure to make that a lot more clear in the future. Uh, again, uh, another thing that pollinators are really important for is some of them are cleanup crew. Like I was saying with dung, dung beetles that, you know, they will roll up balls of poo and that's what they eat. And so because of that, again, they're kind of that incidental pollinating, um, just like the wasps are. Um, I also believe that yellow jackets are also pollinators and a lot of ant species are as well. I'm pretty sure carpenter ants are a pollinator um, just because, you know, when they're out foraging for food and stuff, they will probably gather some of that pollen and move it around with them as they're traveling on their on their trails. Moths do pollinate, Carrie. Yes. I uh, thought they just ate your clothes. <laughs> well. I do believe that moths do like prefer to eat fibrous things. So that is why we do tend to find moths like in our clothing and the closet. Um, but no, they are pollinators. So fibrous things being like oats and wheat, um, uh, you know, flour, like the wheat that we make flour with, that's, that's what moths are actually after. And so that's how they pollinate. Um, I believe they also go for certain grasses. Uh, don't hold me to that because I'm not a, I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure there. And Schaefer beetles are a good one. Thank you, Simon from the Mantis Garden. I love that. And then what do you think they ate before clothes? Yeah, absolutely. Probably cotton because cotton, um, as we know, is a very a flowering plant here. Um, and it is very widely produced throughout the states. I know that. Um, and so cotton is a very fibrous material. And so definitely something that the moths would want to eat is, is that cotton. So it makes sense that we find them in our clothes every now and then. Actually, this year here in Colorado was very prevalent for um, Miller moths. We had a whole lot of Miller moths just all over the place. <laughs> and it was actually really wonderful to see them. Um, I mean, some of us consider them kind of pesty, pesky, you know. Um, but they're they're friendly. They're not scary. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. So have flies pollinate almost as much as bees? I uh, see, and that is another thing that I didn't know, Simon. I know that flies are pollinators, but I also know that they play a very vital role in being food for migratory birds. Um, and birds uh, are also a type of pollinator. But being that this is the inverticast, we're going to keep it to inverts. <laughs> Sorry, guys, not going to talk about birds. But because they are a food source for other pollinators, that is a pretty big deal. But flies also, I mean, I'm not, I don't even know exactly what they eat, but I have seen them a lot around plants and flowers. Um, so that is really, really important that flies are uh, pollination or pollinators. And a lot of accidental pollination as well, absolutely, through through humans even. I know uh, here, in, like I said, in Colorado, um, we have a lot of wildflowers. So in the spring and summer months, 
a lot of people love to go up kind of in the mountains to go look at all the beautiful foliage that appears, um, you know, once a year or so. And the wildflowers obviously are producing that pollen that the bumblebees and honeybees and dragonflies and all of these butterflies and beautiful pollinators uh, are attracted to. And so as the people are going up into the mountains and going on the mountain trails, their bodies and their, you know, their, their clothing and whatnot are going to be brushing up against those plants. And because of that, they are probably going to get a little bit of pollen on their bodies. And as they're walking along, that pollen will slowly kind of drop off of their bodies and clothing and whatnot. And so, yes, they are accidental pollinators. Absolutely. Small mammals is also another uh, pollinator, but possibly accidental pollinators. So like moles and uh, mole rats, uh, probably some prairie dogs as well. And we have a lot of prairie dogs around here. Um, stoats, possibly over in the UK. I know stoats are, are, are possibly a small mammal that could be considered a pollinator. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of creatures are are very vital to being pollinators, and uh, it's really, really important for us to know these things just so that we can be aware of the effects that we can have from a day-to-day, uh, you know, just a, a day-to-day uh, life lifestyle, you know. Like I said, you know, waiting, waiting to clean up all the leaf litter around your yard, that's a big one, especially for those bumblebees. Um, you know, planting flowers and plants that are uh, that are vital for those bumblebees and and honeybees and stuff. That is really really wonderful. Again, for those pollinators. And to be honest, it's it benefits everyone all around because not only are you planting these beautiful plants and these beautiful flowers, and it's fun to watch them bloom and they have these wonderful colors. But you're also going to see these pollinators coming about. So like the butterflies and the moths and bumblebees and honeybees and, and beetles and stuff, just just the wonderful nature, you know, the wonderful like color and foliage of these beautiful creatures is is really worth doing the little bit of gardening that it takes. It really doesn't take much at all. I know tomatoes are uh, really easy to grow. Um, they are kind of like growing like weeds. And so, but they do take quite a bit of water and quite a bit of sunshine, uh, but they are well worth it just for those butterflies and bumblebees. Yeah, absolutely. I have a full on security team <laughs> for clothes feeders. I agree. Um, <laughs> I do agree. I love our security team. Everybody, all of our audience is fantastic. You guys are fantastic. Um, and and just all around wonderful. I really appreciated everybody coming out talking about some pollinators with us. And I hope that you guys check out um, the pollinators.org website because there are a lot of really fun and easy to do tips on what you can do um, just within your own local region to help pollinators. Another website that I found that also has a few really great tips is xerxes.org, uh, which is spelled Z E R. C-E-S dot org. Um, if you check out these websites, they are packed full of information on pollinators, um, tips and wonderful things that you can do around your house and around your yard or just, you know, a, around the around the neighborhood, let's say, um, 
that can help pollinators and kind of brighten up your neighborhood a little more and brighten up your day. And let's see. So yeah, that's wonderful. That's about all I've got on pollinators. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I am so sorry that Nat couldn't join us today. Again, he just wasn't feeling very well. Um, but I hope that it was very informative and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you have any questions or comments, again, feel free to leave them down in the comments. This video will be up for ever, oh, <laughs> forever on Inverticast YouTube page. Uh, so feel free to like and subscribe. And I'm going to add my own little shameless plug. This week, I released a video called Back to School Edition to Rancho Leah. Uh, and I did a breakfast club theme. So if you are interested, check it out because I paired up uh, tarantulas with the characters from Breakfast Club. Um, and yeah, so that's about all I got. I will see you guys next week, hopefully on Saturday. Uh, but we will know for sure. All the love. Thank you so much for joining in Verticast. We'll see you guys next time.